attention to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes, I'll give you a moment to find it. It's a smaller book. It can be more challenging. You have to take a minute and find it if you're like me. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Chapter 7. I'm going to read just one verse, and I'm going to read it in a couple different translations, and we're going to see what the Holy Ghost would like to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I'm just going to tell you, um, this has been kind of a, a, a theme verse for me lately. I don't know how it came across my, my radar, um, but the Lord has given it to me, and I, I haven't taught about it. I haven't preached it. I haven't really shared it too much. I, I, I just knew it was for me, and, and I felt prompted in the Holy Ghost uh, a while back to just prepare to share it, and, and that's what I'm doing. I'm being obedient to the Lord, and uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29 says in the New King James Version, truly this only have I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. King James Version, just an older translation, says this, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they've sought out many inventions. Another translation, more modern translation, says this, This is all that I have learned. God made us plain and simple, but we've made ourselves very complicated. Now that's my language. God made us plain and simple, but we've made things and made ourselves very complicated. You may be seated. One of our core values at Bluff City, and it doesn't surprise you probably because you hear us say it from time to time, one of our core values and the things that we believe in the most strongly is strengthening families. And we believe in strengthening not just families, but individuals, marriages. We believe in the strength of those things. We believe that the Word of God prioritizes those things and that it's an appropriate area of focus for us as a church, especially in the day and age that we live in when so many of those institutions and relationships are under attack on a daily basis. Amen? We believe in strengthening families, and this is one of those nights where I, I feel the Holy Ghost leading us in that direction of, of strengthening. I, I don't minister a lot on Sunday evenings, so I hope this is okay. A lot of times you see me on Sunday mornings, and I am uh, more evangelistic, and, and, I'm, I, and one of the other things we believe in the most is, is sharing the gospel and, and reaching for those that are lost, and, and, and we do that a lot, and that's appropriate, but tonight I feel the Holy Ghost leading me down this, this direction of just strength and strengthening families. And uh, this is one of those services where I believe that it, just what we did a moment ago is not going to be the last time that the Spirit calls on us to respond uh, together as families, as, as marriage partners, as, as individuals, as friends, as, as just together. Um, we, we crave simplicity. We crave simplicity. And we crave peace. Uh, not necessarily easy. Or lazy, don't mistake me, uh, but we, we crave things that are uncomplicated. 
we want life to be straightforward, don't we? We just wish that there was more peace. We wish that there was just more straightforwardness to it, uh, that there was just more simplicity is the word that I'm going to choose to camp out on for a while. And when the Lord was, was really working on me and preparing me to, to deliver a word to, to us tonight from this verse, um, when I was receiving it from the Lord, it felt like a New Year's message, you know? Sometimes we get around New Year's and we get to the place where we, we feel like, you know, we, we have to hear somebody stand up and talk about, you know, get rid of all this and, you know, clear out all that and let's just get down to the basics and let's get the basics real strong and the fundamentals and I'm going to get back to the basics. And that's a great message and that's the kind of message. But I, I thought to myself, that this isn't a New Year's message. This is just... This is a scripture. This is a Bible message. This is a message from the Lord for us living in the day that we're living in today. And if you, I, I'll just tell you this. If you want to quiet, if you, if you latch on to this tonight and, and you feel an unction in your spirit and it resonates with you, I want to encourage you, do, do what I've learned to do. Don't wait until that pinnacle of January 1st to do some of the things that the Lord is calling on us to do in our everyday. January 1st feels like sometimes it's the, it's, it's the time whenever we, say, we take a good inventory of our ordinary life and we, we say, boy, I got to get rid of some of these things. I'm really going to amp up this area of my life. And that's good. I mean, that's, that's, if that works for you, then just terrific. But if you want to quietly and deliberately and intentionally do some of those things, this is a great time of year to do it because everyone else isn't making a fuss about it. You can just, between you and the Lord, you can settle it. Does that sound appealing to anybody? Does anybody feel what I'm talking about right now? Paul wrote to Timothy. It almost sounds utopian whenever he writes to Timothy. It almost sounds too good to be true. He writes to Timothy and says, Pray for the kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Ooh, that just sounds like... Boy, that sounds almost too good to be true. You know, I just live a peaceable and quiet life with all godliness and reverence. And I believe the scriptures give us a pathway for that. And so tonight I want to minister on this topic, the strength of simplicity. The strength of simplicity. This is a callback to Genesis. In Genesis, there were uh, events that happened that many of us are familiar with. And when Ecclesiastes says God made man or God made people, very straightforward, and he made us very plain and very simple and upright is one of the words that's used to describe it. When it says the word man or it says the word people there, in the original tongue, it's literally Adam because Adam is the word for man. And so it's a callback to the original man. When God first created man and woman, he created us very simple, very, sim very plain, very straightforward. We had a very particular function. We, we had a very straightforward type of existence. And that's the way God created us. That's the original design. That's the blueprint. And that's the way God made Adam in the beginning. But Adam pursued his own way rather than God's way. And we started to get into trouble from there. And since then, we've all joined in our first parents' sin. And furthermore, not only do we sin like he sinned, but we live in a world that's filled with the consequences of that sin. 
and there's brokenness and there's pain and there's suffering and there's things we can't explain that just surround us every day that are not directly a result of my sin, perhaps, or your sin, perhaps, but it's a world that we live in that is filled with the consequences of sin and brokenness, and that's the reality of it. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, many people believe it was Solomon, is calling back to that original man and woman who were made simple. They were made in the image of God. They were worshipers. They were workers. They, were, they had a very clearly defined purpose. It wasn't complicated in the Garden of Eden. It was paradise. It was man and God. It was the presence of God all the time. It was a very clearly defined role's and responsibilities. But sin entered into the picture, and suddenly there were inventions and devices and schemes and complicating factors, and the waters get muddied. And now no longer is man behaving in a simple, plain, straightforward way. No longer are the lives of ladies and men filled with just the simple things of life, of having a relationship with God and having the joy of family and friends and taking joy in our vocation and what we do for a living and the work that we do and finding some fulfillment in those things. No longer is life that direct and straightforward, but sin enters into the picture and starts to corrupt things. Their personal sin corrupts things. The sin and the consequences of the world's sin surrounds them and creates an atmosphere where sometimes they just get blindsided by something that wasn't in the picture beforehand, but now it's a part of their everyday life. And as a result of sin, God issued a curse on the earth. And he started, instead of things being straightforward, now things were crooked. And it was as a result of man's sin. No longer was man going to be able to just enjoy the bounty and the fruitfulness of the ground. But now there was going to be toil and there were going to be weeds and there was going to be thistles and there was going to be wild animals and there was going to be challenges after challenges that were going to compound and cascade through the ages until we reach a place today in the year of our Lord, 2022, where it seems like we've got more things that complicate our life than we ever have before. And we read some of the ancient scripture like this, and we know what Solomon knew, that God made man simple, plain, upright, righteous, straightforward. But we, everyone point your finger at yourself, hope this is okay. We've made things pretty complicated, haven't we? Solomon says, consider the work of God. Who can straighten out what he has made crooked? And the answer is none of us. We can't lay our hands to the problems in this world and fix them. We've tried for generations. We try to institute programs. We try to set up governments. We hold elections. We do everything within our power. We engineer things. We invent things. We have technology start to solve problems for us. But, Brother Turner, nowhere can we get close to touching the real problem of some of the crooked things that exist in our world today. We can't touch them because God has set forth in motion the effects of the fall and the curse that comes from even that original sin 
We desperately need God. Amen? And King Jesus is ushering in a kingdom that straightens out the crooked things. But in the meantime, we're left to navigate some of those things ourselves. Sin and brokenness are equal opportunity destroyers. It doesn't matter if it's your personal sin or if it's just some of the consequences of what's going on in our world on any given day. It can sweep in in a moment and cause devastation in our life. And we need the strength that comes in a return. Brother Ben said it whenever he was opening service, a restoration of the simplicity that God wants to put into our lives. Sin makes us susceptible to overcomplicating things. Things weren't complicated before sin entered the picture. And sin enters the picture, and now all of a sudden, human beings, you and me, every single one of us from one side of the room to the other, we are more susceptible today to overcomplicating our lives than we ever have been before. Because sin and the system of sin in this world that we sometimes can't avoid and, and, and other times, God forbid, we subscribe to, it takes us away from our original design. God created us to do what we've been doing here tonight. We've been worshiping. God creates us to do what we sometimes do whenever we work and are about our Father's business. It takes away from the authority that we're supposed to exercise, that God wants to give us in our life. God wants us to exercise His authority as sons and daughters of God. And sin complicates things so much sometimes that we feel like I'm not worthy to do that. I'm too distracted to do that. My life is too full for me to have the kind of relationship with God that empowers me to do that. I'm just talking, I'm talking real plain tonight. I hope this is all right. We're just being real transparent because I think the Lord has a way of strengthening us. And if we're going to be distinctive in this time period that we live in, it's going to be because some of the attachments of this world don't get attached to us. I'm not talking about sin necessarily. I'm just talking about things that attach themselves to us and overcomplicate our lives and crowd out the move of the Holy Ghost sometimes. Sometimes we forget, each and every one of us that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can hear from God. I believe what we're doing right now, when somebody's preaching or teaching or ministering or sharing an anointed testimony or something like that, I believe that's excellent. It's, it's, it's supposed to happen. But it's not the only time we have to hear from God. The Lord wants to speak to every single individual in this room that's been filled with the Holy Ghost. He, want, he can give you a direct word of, of direction or encouragement or a, a, a scripture from his word or, or something. It, it, it can come in a one-on-one -on -one type of environment. And sometimes in the time period we live in, there are so many things that can attach themselves to us. And there's so much noise. And there's so many voices that we can subscribe to. And there's so many notifications that keep dinging and buzzing and going crazy. 
that we can't be still for a moment and remember that God made us very plain and straightforward. And some of the things that we have introduced have made things way more complicated than they have to be. Sin makes us susceptible to overcomplicating what life is all about. Simplicity is freedom. The overcomplicated life is bondage. Let me tell you what another translator of that same verse says. He just says this. I just want to share it with you. He says, God made man simple, and man's complex problems are of his own devising. Not about you, but sometimes if I were to scale it down, I know sometimes we look at the world as a whole and we think of it as a macro level, but if we were to scale it down to a micro level and I would just tell you about my life and I could recount to you stories of times that I have made problems uh, that are, I've got like my own recipe, my own personal home recipe for making problems and distractions and, and complicated issues when really like it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way at all. Either I could have threw a wet blanket on it, I could have took it to the Lord and casted it on him like we talked about this morning, and it would have just pretty much eliminated the thing altogether. Or some other means of just extinguishing the thing altogether, but instead I stoke the flames and I try to put, and instead of throwing water on it, I'm throwing gasoline on it, Sister Gina, and I'm, I'm just, it's just getting out of control and I have no one to look at but me. Maybe I'm the only one. I feel like I've got a couple witnesses here today. Simplicity is a, you've heard the word spiritual disciplines before. And we think of prayer and we think of reading the Bible and we think of things like that. And those, those are spiritual disciplines that, that, that cause us to, to grow and, and give us guardrails and parameters in life. And those things create the conditions where the Holy Ghost can minister to us, but can I submit to you tonight that simplicity is also one of those things that creates an environment that you can grow spiritually in? Because a life that is overcrowded and overcomplicated will eventually crowd out the voice of God. It will crowd out the move of the Spirit. It will quench the Spirit. Sometimes we think about quenching the Spirit and we think that that's something that could only potentially happen in a church service when there's a big move of God that's sweeping through the building and somebody does something that just that throws everyone off and, and we, we think that's quenching the spirit. That's not the only time that the spirit can be quenched. The spirit can be qu quenched by things that are just way too complicated by things that attach themselves to us that crowd out the freedom of the Holy Ghost to minister and move in our lives. This simplicity is as much an inward thing as it is an outward thing. Stick with me. It's as much an inward thing as it is an outward thing. And when we engage in sin or when we even start to subscribe to some of the systems of this world that are led by sin, the world can cause us to lose touch with God's reality. And God's reality is this. God hasn't abandoned his original design. God's got an original design for marriage. 
God's got an original design for parents and children. God's got an original design for our relationship with him. And it causes us, when we, when we deviate from that and we overcomplicate things, here's what it does. It causes us to crave things that we shouldn't really care too much about. Have you ever heard the saying, sometimes we buy things to impress people we don't even like? Now, I, for the record, I believe in liking everybody. We love everybody enough to get to heaven, right? We don't. We don't practice hatred. We don't do it. But we don't all have to be best friends, you know. We don't all have to, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm walking a tightrope right now. But you've heard the saying. Sometimes we buy things and we do things to impress people that we don't even like. Can I drop a hint on you right now? Most of those people, they ain't even paying attention to you anyways. That was for free. <laughs> the scriptures say godliness with contentment is great gain. When was the last time you asked yourself, how much is enough? How much is enough? At what point can I stop and be content? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Because if you never address that question... You're going to chase after a mirage for your whole life. And you're never going to find the peace and the contentment that I'm talking. You're never going to get back to the original blueprint that God has for our life of being plain and simple and straightforward in our dealings with him and in our dealings with others in life. We're never going to reach that standard by chasing after things in the system that the world has set up that says you can never have enough and you have to have more, and you have to have more, and you have to do more, and you have to attach more things to your life. Have you ever asked that question, how much is enough? Because if we've never asked ourselves that question, it puts us in a position, if we've never really grappled with that, and we've never brought that before the Lord, or we never discussed it with our spouse or whomever is in our life, and we reach an agreement on it somehow, some kind of agreement on it, then we can read scriptures or have it read in our hearing that godliness with contentment is great gain, but we can't truly amen it because we've never really addressed what, can, what would make me content. What, what, would, what would be simple enough for me that I could be happy, that I could have joy? Instead, we end up darting off the other direction because the environment we live in is very conducive to it. And we dart off the other direction, and we chase after things, and we complicate things way more than it needs to be. That's why Jesus encouraged an inner attitude of detachment from material things. And it's not just about material things. This isn't Brother Dustin talking about, you know, you need to sell off everything you got, have an estate sale this weekend, and just, you know, live under a bridge. I'm not saying that. But Jesus said we need to cultivate the appropriate attitude towards material things in this world. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven or on the earth where moth and rust destroy and corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where it can't be destroyed and it can't be corrupted and thieves can't break in and steal it. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me respond with just a simple, straightforward question. We're talking about simplicity. Let me just ask a very simple, straightforward question. What are you investing in the most? Pause for a moment and think about the last 30 days, the month of August even. What are you investing in the most? Do a little heart search. Do a little inventory. I'm not talking about your intentions right now. I hope I'm challenging somebody right now because I'm not talking about your intentions. I'm talking about your actual patterns, your actual habits, the things that really make up the last 30 days of your life. One of the people of old said, give me a place to stand and I will move the earth. And that place we can stand is simplicity. Simplicity is the thing that makes room for all the other spiritual disciplines. If our life is so attached and complicated to a billion different things, we're not going to have time to pray. We're going to get to the end of our day every day and realize, uh-oh, I didn't read my Bible today, and it is 11.05 p.m., and I'm very tired, and I'm going to do it tomorrow. And we repeat that times infinity. But simplicity, deliberate simplicity, is the thing that makes room for all the things that matter the most. And I'm not just talking about our relationship with God. Let's zoom out for a second and acknowledge that there's some other relationships in our life that are pretty important. I'm talking about our spouse. I'm talking about your children, your grandchildren, your friendships. Those things are important. Sometimes all it takes is a phone call for us to realize how important they are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes, unfortunately, it's in that moment that we get a true revelation of how important those relationships really are. Simplicity is the thing that makes the room for those relationships to thrive. And that's one of the things we believe in the most. I hope, I hope I'm not boring you tonight, but that's one of the things we believe in the most. We profess to believe that we need to be strong in our family. We need to be strong in our, even just individually in our inner life, our inner world. We need to be strong in our marriages. We need to be strong in our relationships with our children and our grandchildren and our loved ones and our friends. We need to be strong in those things. And this is one of the principles that God has given us. This is a revelation for somebody tonight. God made us very plain and simple and straightforward. And we can return to that place. We can be restored, Brother Walker, to that place. And when we get back to that place, there is a strength that exists there. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have lived, I'm talking to some that have lived out some of what I'm talking about, and you can testify and say, you know what? I cut away some of these other things in my life. 
all these things. They weren't necessarily sins, but they were things that were just attaching themselves to me. They were taking up too much of my time. They were absorbing too much of my energy. They attracted too much of my attention, and I just cut some of those things back. And you know what I'm talking about when I say that it makes your relationship with God stronger, and it makes your relationship with others around you stronger and sweeter. Simplicity is that place where we can stand. But you need to know. You need to know. And I knew this afternoon as I prepared and I made final preparations to minister tonight, I knew very well that by standing up and, and talking about what I'm talking about right now, that when we start opening, when we start pursuing after this principle of God, it opens us up to attack. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, I, I am fully, I hope, fully ready to face the music of as the one who stands up and says something like this. Because it is so countercultural that I expect an encounter with the enemy this week on these grounds. And if you adopt this in your spirit, and you make a commitment to God tonight. You can call it a commitment. You can make it a consecration. You can call it and label it and categorize it however you need to. But if you respond in faith tonight to what the word of the Lord is ministering to us, you can count on it. Simplicity always comes under attack. It is, I talked about the adversary on Wednesday night. We have an adversary. And when he sees simplicity in the life of a believer, he hones in on it. He'll distract us. He'll crowd, things, he'll crowd up our life. And listen, he'll do it with good opportunities that are too good to turn down. Because the enemy, the adversary we talked about Wednesday night, is subtle he is wise. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows our nature. He knows our nature. He knows. He is acquainted with the original design. He knows that God made man plain, straightforward, simple. And he knows how to complicate things. It's one of his greatest tactics. If he can't get to you any other way, he will complicate your life. He will crowd your life, and he will make your life very noisy and very difficult to do the things that matter the most. But the call of God brings us back to a singular thing. I want to turn our attention back to Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. I read it a moment ago. Where our heart is, where your, where your treasure is, there it's where your heart will be also. Jesus, just a few verses later, reveals to us and makes us very makes it very clear to us that the topic we're addressing tonight is what he's addressing in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added unto you. Now, if you read that passage, it is undeniable you can pick out the words for yourself that it's a passage about worry. It's a path. 
Do you know what one of the major plagues of our day is? It's anxiety. It's anxiety. And Jesus, sometimes we think Jesus doesn't have a word for modern things that happen in our modern world. Jesus addresses anxiety right here in this passage where he taught on this hillside. He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on or where you're going to sleep or any of that stuff. He says, seek ye first. Don't, he says, be anxious for nothing. That's a direct word for the spirit of the age that we're dealing with and the plague that, that attaches itself so many times to lives in the time period that we live in today. The answer, the antidote, is simplicity. A singular focus. Seek ye first. Have you ever heard anyone say, let's keep the main thing? The main, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Some of you, we need to write that on the inside of our Bible if you believe in such things. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main. Listen, if you'll keep simplicity intact, if you'll guard that and protect that ferociously, it will allow you, it will position you to be obedient to the words of the Lord when he says, seek ye first. You say, how, Jesus, how can, I, how can I do I got all these other competing priorities. I got all these other things that I have to be responsible for. And, and certainly, there are some things that we cannot eliminate from our lives. There's real obligations. We got to pay the bills. We got to do things. I mean, there's honest to God things that we have to make sure get done. And I'm not discounting that. I don't live in a dream world. But if we will protect and cultivate simplicity and guard it and say, I'm not going to let a bunch of unnecessary, unedifying things crowd up my life, then we can be obedient to what the word of the Lord says to us when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And we have a promise. All of these things, which of them? All of them. All the things we get worried about, all the things we want to expend our energy trying to attach to and accumulate, Jesus says all of those things will be added unto you. The kingdom must be our main goal. I will not engage in anything that will distract me from the main goal. And the main goal is the kingdom. It's that simple. But it's difficult, isn't it? The Apostle Paul said it this way. This wasn't just an Old Testament wisdom literature thing embedded deep down in the pages of Ecclesiastes. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Woo! That's simplicity. But sin in the world we live in inclines us the other direction. We have to push against the grain. We have to swim against the current. 
I know what I'm preaching right now is challenging. I know that it challenges our spirit. I know that there's a part of each and every one of us. That I've, I've wrestled with this verse for the better part of this year. And I know that there's a part of this that grates against us because we think I've got to keep all the plates spinning. I've got to keep all the things going. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to let down anybody's expectations. I know there's real dynamics at stakes here. I know that we're not talking in abstractions tonight. I know that we're getting down to where we all live in the ordinary, everyday life. But I'm telling you that there is a blessedness and there is a power and there is a strength to be gained in this day that we live in. What's the song say? The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. The world doesn't know anything about what I'm ministering about, and I wish they did. But this is a message for the saints of God to understand. This is a dimension of strength and blessing that God has reserved for those who would love Him. We have an adversary, however who constantly presents alternatives to what I'm talking about. I know it because one of his biggest showdowns, if you would call it a showdown, it was a beatdown, it wasn't really a showdown, it's when Satan shows up in the wilderness to tempt Jesus. Jesus is out there, and he has, he is the model and the example to end all models and examples. He has forsaken everything, and he has gone out to the wilderness in a desolate place, and it's just him and God. You don't get any more simplified than that. He has stripped it down to the bare metal. He has taken apart all the attachments. He has cast them all by the wayside, and he has spent 40 days in the wilderness with God. And Satan shows up. Satan shows up to do what he always does as the adversary. Everything that Jesus stands for. Jesus is doing what he would later minister. He is seeking first the kingdom. And Satan recognizes, here is a man that is doing everything that the Father is instructing him to do. And I've got to come and attack that. I've got to come and tempt that. Satan comes and he tempts Jesus three times. And each time Jesus rejects him with the word of God and wins victory over him, and Satan leaves until another time. Satan is constantly presenting alternatives to what God desires to do in our life. Worldliness, you may have heard me say this before, worldliness is anything that makes holiness appear weird. Holiness is God's plan. It's his, I've said, I've, I keep saying the phrase, I'm a broken record. It's his original design, holiness. Us taking on his character and reflecting it into the world, holiness. His original blueprint for human beings, for every single one of us. Satan comes along and presents an alternative that tries to make holiness look weird. He tries to call good evil and evil good. And he presents an alternative. And we sometimes call it worldliness. 
The adversary doesn't just present alternatives, but he does it skillfully. Talked about it some on Wednesday night. I plan on, by the will of God, talking about it some more this Wednesday night. But he constantly presents alternatives. It's why we must have a posture of resisting the devil. It's why we must not be ignorant of the devil's devices. The devices he uses are the ones that old Solomon is talking about that we have invented. Jesus comes and he throws something out there that humankind has invented that is appealing to us, that is attractive to us, that he would like to attach to us. Those are the very things that all of our overcomplicated existence over these generations have generated. And Satan comes and he presents it as an alternative. And he says, that empty place in your life, you could fill it with this. That hunger that you have, that thirst that you feel, you could quench it with this. And Satan is constantly and subtly and skillfully as our adversary, prowling and presenting alternatives. And every presentation that the adversary makes like that has a dual purpose. One is to inflict pain, ultimately. There may be pleasure for a season, but his ultimate goal is to destroy. And his secondary, his secondary goal is always the same. And it's making your life more complicated than it's intended to be. Because he will stop at nothing to crowd out the voice of God. Let me give a couple examples. Let's just get real. An example. Being in a sexual relationship before marriage. Scripture has a design for this. We talk about original design. Scripture has a design for sexual relations. It belongs within a marriage. Amen? We still believe that. The adversary will present an alternative to that. The adversary will present an alternative to that. He'll say it'll feel good. You already love them. This person expects it. And guess what? All those things seem important and valid in the moment. It seems simple in the moment. But whenever we take what God has intended for one thing and we carry it over here into another thing, we aren't making things more simple. We're making things more complicated. Because it's in situations like that where you get possible unexpected pregnancy. You get deep emotional hurt. You might have some medical things and some disease things go on. Because it's full physical commitment to another person without full spiritual commitment to them. And it's a deviation from the blueprint, the original design. And what Satan will try to convince us of is that this is okay, this is appropriate, this will be good for you, this actually improves things, did God actually say... Let me give you another one that maybe won't make you squirm. Let's talk about just telling the truth versus telling a lie. 
we're getting, uh, we can talk about the world as a whole, right? But it's much more edifying if we talk about just, you know, life for a couple minutes. I read one time, Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. I've always kind of just tried to live by that. That's not a scripture, but it's pretty good. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. How much more complicated is it to tell a lie or a half-truth? If we're all honest, we've, I mean, who among us hasn't tried to pull the wool over somebody's eyes? Whether it was a bold-faced lie or a half-truth or a partial truth of some kind or lying by omission, right? All right, here we go. I don't, want, I don't want any parents looking at kids. I'm going to take a drink of water. Parents, look at your kids. Satan will say this. He'll say, telling this lie is going to make your life easier. Less complicated this way. It's easier this way. And guess what? Sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? It's easier when I'm... I'm staring down the barrel of a thrashing if I tell the truth because I know I've done wrong. I know I done. I went and stepped in it. I know I've said the wrong thing. I know I've done the wrong thing. I know I've told the wrong thing. I know, but it would be so much easier if I just didn't admit it. I somehow told a story. I told a fib. I told a white lie. We've got a lot of names for it, don't we? <laughs> Satan will say, this will make your life so much less complicated this way. You don't have to deal with the fallout. You don't have to deal with the consequences. And our flesh is inclined that direction anyways. Because, like Solomon said, we do seek out many schemes it sounds attractive to us. Every presentation that the adversary makes has a secondary effect of making life more complicated than it should be. And then all of a sudden, subtly, one thing at a time, one layer at a time, we end up with less time for the things that matter the most. Because now we've got to keep all of our deception straight or whatever you know i mean i keep using i used that as an example but there's a whole galaxy of things that we could we could go line by line and piece by piece and give examples of the way the enemy approaches us and makes these alternative presentations and tries to steer us away from god having made us plain and straightforward and wanting to bless us and strengthen us in that place and god's restorative power calls us back to his original simplicity of design and purpose. So let me talk just for a minute about the strength of simplicity in a few different areas. And these are not the only areas, but the, the areas that I felt led by the Holy Ghost to, to hone in on just for a few more moments tonight. Because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing a disservice if we, if we talk in the abstract and we don't talk about the practical for a moment. It's the will of God for us to take joy in our relationships with others. I hit on this a little while ago, but I want to sit here for a minute and camp out on it because I believe it's that important and I believe it's that much against what the world is presenting to us that I want to hear, say it loud, slow, and clear today. 
There ought to be a joy in our families and in our relationships and in our friendships and in our marriages. I'm still in the book. I'm still right where I need to be. You need to prioritize family time. You need to protect it. You need to schedule it. If you need to go analog, what do I mean by analog? I mean not digital whatsoever. If you need to go analog to make this happen uninterrupted, don't overcomplicate time with family, but be committed to it. There should be a joy in our marriages, in our relationships with our children, in our relationships with one another as brothers and sisters, in our friendships, with our grandparents and our grandchildren. There ought to be a joy in our relationships. And I know that there's brokenness, and I know there's things that get in between us that we have to forgive and we have to, we have to work through. But I'm speaking in general terms right now. It's the will of God for our life to have room for that to take place. It's the will of God. Don't ever feel guilty for it. Let me just give somebody permission right now. As though I need to give permission, but let me just give somebody permission right now. It's all right to eliminate some non-essentials so that you can invest in the most important relationships in life. I know that that's against the current of whatever is thrown at us in this world, and that's why I'm saying it out loud and not taking it for granted right now. Don't wait until there's a phone call or some kind of tragedy to recognize that the most important things in life are not things, they're people. There's strength there. There's strength there. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. You need to be strong in your fellowship, not just with your family, but also with the church. But I say it as plain as I can, the church is likened to a body, and you're a part of the body. If you're here right now, you're a part of this body, and we need you. And being present is important. And not just being present and being a warm body, but participating is important in whatever the body is doing. It is restorative for you to be surrounded by relationships where faith is the priority. It's restorative for you. It fills you up. I know maybe you're like me, but maybe you're an introvert. I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. And I'm just going to tell you, Brother Walker, if I get around big crowds of people, some people, Brother Turner, you're the opposite of me in this regard. I know, I've known you long enough to know this. You put Brother Turner in a crowd of people, and it's like his, his internal fuel tank just gets filled up. Right. He wants to talk to everybody in the room. He has to. He is compelled to. Try going to, like, general conference with him or something. It's, it's impossible. You get done. He gets done, and all the restaurants are closed. Everything's closed. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not antisocial, but 
I got to recharge. I got to like go to the fortress of solitude and recharge. And Brother Mike's like ready to go, you know, take on the entire world after that. And I'm like shrinking back, you know. And maybe you feel more like me than you do like him. But let me tell you, as one who is in (laughs) self-described the way I just did, it is restorative for you to spend time around people where faith and holiness is the priority. It does something good for the inside of you. We're talking about strength right now. I'm giving you a prescription right now. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling a little bit anemic, enhance the time that you're spending around people of like precious faith. If you find that every Tuesday, by Tuesday, I'm just like, I'm down here, I'm feeling discouraged. I'm fe- you know what? Get somebody's phone number and just cold call them, a saint of God, and talk to them. Talk to them. Talk to them about the Word. That's why you need to be in the Word. It's great conversation. Talk to them about the, what the Lord is sharing in the Word with you. Talk about something the Lord did for you this past Sunday. And get encouraged. And get restored. And gain that strength back. We also need to have strength in our communion with God. As important as the horizontal relationships are when they're in order, the most important of all is our relationship with Him. Simplicity. We need to have simplicity in our message. Sometimes we overcomplicate this message, don't we? It's possible to present a simple gospel to somebody. I've shared it before. An easy way of sharing your testimony with somebody is doing the before, how, and now. Before, my life was like this. Then God stepped in, and this is how he did it. And now my life is like this. That's a testimony. That's the gospel. We don't have to overcomplicate it any more than that, do we? We need to have that kind of simplicity in our relationship with God because Pentecost is not a private party. It's not just for a handful of us. It's for everybody. We need to be more committed to our prayer and our study of the Word of God. We need to have a hunger like we never have before for a daily personal audience with God. We need to have an intake of God's Word every day to ground us and to teach us. I'm just talking about the simple things tonight, if that's all right. The simple things. How do I get strong spiritually? It's kind of just simple. But we have a tendency to really overcomplicate it. You can hear from God for yourself, but you won't as long as you have a multitude of distractions and things attached and things vying for your attention that you're allowing to stay within your orbit because you can't bring yourself to just cut them loose altogether. Stand with me if you would, if the musicians would come. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is this. There is strength in simplicity. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that right now. 
There is strength in simplicity. I want to hear, turn to somebody else. Testify of it with your own mouth right now if you believe it. There is strength. Here's what old Solomon would say. Solomon would say, here is the conclusion of the whole matter. The conclusion of the whole matter is this. It takes courage. It takes wisdom. It takes strength. But the call of the Spirit today is to clear out the many different kinds of inventions and devices and schemes that can often clog up our life. And to make an on-purpose emphasis on the things that matter the most. Sometimes we just need an inventory of our habits and our patterns and our routines. It doesn't have to wait until January 1st. That's kind of silly. Sometimes we just need a sweeping away of the things that are unnecessary, some of the things that have become unedifying to us. The Apostle Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things build up. He said a phrase that I've, I've just always, it's always just gotten lodged in my spirit. He said, I'm not going to be dominated by anything. There's not a person under the sound of my voice right now that in your heart of hearts, your desire is to be dominated by something from this world. I know that there is a purity of spirit here right now that we desire that one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I know, I, I sense that here right now in this place. Can we, from that place of sincerity and purity of heart, can we respond to the Lord right now and come up around the front together and just say, you know what, I'm going to make a consecration. I'm going to make a fresh commitment. Maybe there's some clearing out that needs to happen. Maybe there's some sweeping away that needs to take place. But there's strength to be gained here today. And if you came into the house of the Lord on this Sunday and you just need an infusion of strength, it's available in the house today. It's available in the house today. If you need to kneel down, you're welcome to kneel. If you'd like to just lift up your hands, you can do that. But whatever you do, find a posture of response in the Holy Ghost right now. Do, do an inventory if that's what you need to do. Maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's repenting. Maybe it's saying, God, I've gotten things out of order. I've gotten things out of order, Lord. I've put something else before you. I've allowed something to crowd you out for too long. And Lord, I'm drawing a line in the sand tonight. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to trace some new boundaries out in my life. I'm going to let the pencil of the master sketch out some parameters that have been lacking in my life. I'm going to let him cut away like the skillful great physician. I'm going to let him cut away some of the attachments in my life that don't really contribute a whole lot to my life, but I've allowed them to persist because maybe they're comfortable and maybe it's common and maybe it's something that's popular or fashionable, but they're not contributing to my walk with you. And Lord, I want more than anything. I want more than anything to have an audience with you. Oh, would you do that right now all across this room? 
There's strength to be gained right now, and it would be appropriate for husbands and wives, for family members, for friends, for loved ones to join together right now because so often this is not something that only occurs individually, but it's something that is all the more powerful when two or three agree together and say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be anxious about some of these things that we've said at the kitchen table or we drove in the car and we've talked about and we fuss and we fret sometimes. I'm not minimizing any of those things, but I've just decided that I'm going to trust the Lord because His promise says that if I'll seek Him first, if I'll clear out all the rest, if I'll get rid of all the inventions and all of the schemes, and all of the complicating factors that he most assuredly will add these things unto us. Oh, I'm burdened in my spirit right now. I wish to God that every individual right now would reach for heaven. God is reaching for individuals' lives. He's reaching for that inner sanctuary. He craves to have an audience with you. He craves to see you develop and grow. He so strongly desires to see you at your best, to see you strong, to see you prospering, to see you thriving. Won't you hear the call of the Spirit that's saying, come unto me, Let me make you strong. Let me show you my goodness.